not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first, pu first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So the very first thing we see, the difference between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom, is that they come from totally different places. They don't come from the same place. Godly wisdom comes from above. Godly wisdom comes from above, and worldly wisdom comes from here on earth. Whatever comes from a man will fail. Whatever a man makes will mess up. No matter how successful it may seem at the time, it will not last forever. Worldly wisdom, back in the Old Testament times, thought, how, why in the world do we need to be accountable to God to get to heaven? We're smart enough. We're strong enough. And we have enough resources that we can get to heaven all by ourselves. So they all got together and started building a tower. We call that tower today the Tower of Babel. And they built this tower saying we don't need God to get to heaven. We're smart enough, strong enough, and have enough resources that we can build our own tower and get to heaven on our own. Yet still today, if you are talking nonsense, not getting anywhere, and it's chaotic and confusing, we say to you, quit babbling. Why? Because everything man touches and does, it'll end, it'll fall apart. God, worldly wisdom says we could build a tower to get our own self to heaven. We don't need anybody else. Godly wisdom says you can't get off the ground on your way to heaven without Jesus Christ. Because he's the way, the truth, and alive. And there is not one man or one woman or anybody that is going to enter in heaven but not through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. There is no other name given under heaven that a man must be saved other than who? Jesus Christ. So we know that today and we can trust that. Worldly wisdom says we can do it on our own. We're smart enough. We're powerful enough. We're rich enough. We have enough friends. We can do this and they fall flat as their faith. That's what we do. But a godly wisdom says, I cannot even walk without him holding my hand. We cannot do anything without Jesus Christ. And that's world, godly wisdom, understanding that we're standing in need of a Savior today. And that's the only chance we have. Worldly wisdom convinced 12 guys after a group of 5,000 men listened to Jesus Christ preach on the hillside. Worldly wisdom convinced those 12 men to tell everybody to go home and get their own food. They can, we don't got enough money. We, we, don't have the, we don't have enough time. We're not in the business of feeding multitudes of people. Worldly wisdom said, you know what, just go home and fend for yourselves. But godly wisdom came in and spoke through a young little boy with a couple pieces of bread and a couple fishes. And Jesus broke that bread and that, those, took those fishes and fed to all of the 5,000. Godly wisdom says you can't do it 
Worldly, God, worldly wisdom says you can't do it. Godly wisdom says there ain't nothing impossible in Jesus Christ. Today, there is all around us examples of worldly wisdom versus um, godly wisdom. But what we show you today is there are enemies in our life that cause us to have worldly wisdom, that cause us to embrace worldly wisdom. Where do they come from? First, the world. What does the world, world mean? We see there um, in the Bible where in verse 15 it says, This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's first earthly, sensual, and demonic. Our first enemy in the worldly wisdom is worldly, earthly. Things that come from this earth. Ideas that come from this, this earth. Things that we think we can handle this and we cannot handle on our own. That's the world in us. That's this world is trying to influence us to do what they want us to do. Right now, church, I mean, please, wake up. We are in a place right now that I have never seen in my life, and I'm only 49 years old. But our children are being influenced online more so than they've ever been influenced in the history of mankind, and we're sitting back and thinking it's funny. There is nothing funny about this world paying millions and millions of dollars for kids, for some kid to influence your kid in a way to think. If you want something to influence your child, open up God's holy word. Let them be influenced by God's holy word. Bring them to church and have them be influenced by, by what's going on in church, by what's happening in a Sunday school. Break open God's word and allow them to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. Don't let this world teach your kids the mess, the chaotic confusion that's going on around this world. That's the worldly wisdom we have. It is disgusting. It's earthly. It's worldly. The second um, enemy we have is flesh. Sensual. You know who that is? That, that's our unspiritual part of who we are. That's our flesh. You know what? Edsel Perry, who's gone and been to the Lord a couple of days, now, a couple of years now, he got up one Sunday morning and he, he scared half the church to death. And the other half got excited which were you one he got up and he said i got three men in this trouble giving me three men in this church that give me trouble and i'm going to call them out right now half the church was like oh no and the other half of the church was like i can't wait this is going to be awesome you know what i'm saying which one were you you know what i'm saying i hope he named so and so because i don't like him either you know and Edsel said this here's their names me Myself and I. You know what gives us trouble today? Is this worldly wisdom is the flesh that is in us. That old nature in us who makes us the number one person. The whole world circulates. It's all about me. It's all about my wants. It's all about my preferences. It's all about my desires. Worldly wisdom, we, we proclaim ourself instead of God. And the third one, he says this, is demonic. We have a demonic influence that wants to destroy this world. No matter how cute you think the devil is and how, how amazing it is that's happening around this world where he has convinced this world that he doesn't exist and it does not, he doesn't do anything. But the devil has come here to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's what he's done. Why are we letting these people take care of our families when they're trying to kill us, steal from everything we have and destroy what we worked so hard for? Why don't we do this? Why don't we look to Jesus Christ who gives life, but not only just life, but life more abundantly. That we can put our trust in him today. 
the world has turned from God. The Bible tells us in Romans um, chapter 3 and verse um, 10 through 8, he allows us to see how important it is to understand the mess that this world is in. I, I know there's a country song that says um, most people are good. Only problem with that is that guy had never read the Bible. Most people ain't good. The Bible doesn't teach that one, one bit. And I, you say, well, you know what? That's awful negative. You know what? Take that up between you and the good Lord. Hey, man, leave me alone. I'm busy. I'm preaching. Right? In Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, it says this. As it is written, there's none righteous. How many? No, not one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have, turned, they have together become unprofitable. There's none who does good. No, not one. That country song's kind of losing it right here, right? Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the ways of peace they have not known. And listen to the last verse. There's no fear of God before their eyes. If you want to describe this world today, verse 18 tells you there's no fear of God in their eyes. You look in the eyes of the majority of people in this world, they don't even consider God. They don't believe they're held, going to be held accountable to God. They don't even think about God in any way of their lives. Why, why is that? Because the worldly wisdom has turned people away from God. They have taught us that God is insignificant. They have taught us that church is insignificant. They have taught us that Bible study is outdated and insignificant. They have told us that worshiping the Lord is not even possible and it is a waste of time of your life. You can do something else that's much more appreciative of your life than that. The worldly wisdom has turned people away from the Lord. But godly wisdom is still crying out, Come unto me all your labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Christ is still calling people unto himself today and we still have that opportunity. We need wisdom. We need wisdom that comes from God. The Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 17, every good gift comes from where? Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above and comes down from the Father of the lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good gift that we have received today comes from above. We should look up to heaven for all that we need. We don't need to depend upon the world and their ways and their aggravations and their chaotic confusion. What we need to do is look to Jesus Christ and he will provide our needs today. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3 it tells us this. In Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Today looking to Jesus Christ will be the most wise decision that any one of us have ever made. Because in him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and in knowledge. So the very first thing we see that the way you can tell the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom is they come from two different places. Godly wisdom comes from above and worldly wisdom comes from right here where we're at in this world today beneath. But not only that, godly wisdom and worldly wisdom don't look anything alike. 
we got some twins in the house, and we got some twins, uh, part, people who are twins, and that's the coolest thing in the world, being able to see if you can tell them apart and see who it is. I'm scared to death of some of these families don't even know which kid's which. They're just not brave enough to tell you that they forgot. And they're just like going to roll the dice. I think this is Bob. I don't know if it's Bob or not, but we're going to call him Bob. He gets mixed up every now and then. But they look alike. But godly wisdom and worldly wisdom, you ain't going to have that problem because they have nothing in common. They don't look alike. They look completely different. I'm so thankful that it's not confusing. I'm so thankful that it's easy to pick out godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom. If they looked almost alike, it would be kind of hard. If they looked familiar, similar, it would be difficult. But they don't even have anything in common. And I want you to see this in the Bible where it says in James chapter 3 in verse 13, Who is wise among you and understanding among you? Listen, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. And in verse 14, But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. And jump down to verse 17 with me. And verse 17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Heaven and hell don't look alike. You know the difference. We've never seen heaven, and thankfully we've never seen hell. But every single one of us have a, an understanding because of how we've been discipled and how we've been taught in our life that heaven and hell put together is not anything that looks familiar, similar. They have nothing in common. Heaven, you could picture it as blue maybe with a cloud and all the stuff. We don't know what the streets of gold are going to look like. We don't know what a pearly gate would look like. We can't only imagine. But then on the other end, we've never been to hell yet, but we, we don't. We've seen utter darkness. We've been to Carter Caves when they click the lights off. We, we've, we've burnt ourselves and we know what pain feels like. But what we do know is that there's not, it's not going to be difficult for me or you to tell the difference between heaven and hell. I'm so thankful today it's not going to be hard for me and you to tell the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom because they don't look alike. Can't even compare them. They have nothing in common. Um, worldly wisdom is envy. Worldly wisdom is someone who is bitterly jealous. And worldly wisdom causes envy and bitterly jealousness. Worldly wisdom is full of selfishness. It's all about me. It's all about you. It's about boasting. It's about us bragging on what we've done and we've worked harder, we've done something more, we've been better or something of that nature than someone else. We got more money, we're better looking or whatever it may be. It's boasting. That's what worldly wisdom looks like. And it's deceitfulness. It's lies. It's not being able to tell the truth today. You know what it looks like? It looks like the devil. But not only does it look like the devil, it looks like our old nature, our flesh. It looks like we look without God in our lives. It looks like us serving ourselves and not serving anybody else. It looks like us making, looking out for our number one instead of anybody else. It's us putting ourselves first and putting everybody else last. That's what it looks like. It looks like this world, and it does not look 
heavenly one so bit. But I love that the Lord only uses three words to describe worldly wisdom because we know what that looks like and it's ugly. If you're describing an ugly person, you don't have to go in many details or an ugly van or ugly car or ugly whatever. But then if you're going to describe something's beautiful, you're going to go into detail. And now he's going to, we know what he said to ugly wisdom looks like, worldly wisdom. So now let's look what godly wisdom looks like. And he starts off there in verse 17, if you want to look in that. And the, but the wisdom that is from above is what? He starts out and he says, um, well, before that in verse 13. In verse 13 he says, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. In the meekness of wisdom. What meekness is? Before you can know what meekness is, you've got to know what meekness is not. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness, but it is power under control. We have some people in our church that love horses. I, I'm scared to death of horses. I'm, I've never been a huge horse fan. And I love horses in that I would never get on one um, because of it would kill the poor thing. It would have to be a Clydesdale if I got on it, and I don't drink Budweiser beer, so I never rode one of those, you know. But one thing we learned about horses last week was they put a bridle in their mouth, and that little bridle guides them in the direction that they would have them to go. But the meekness also has a word that comes from horses as well. And meekness is easily explained as someone who goes and gets a wild horse off the range. You can actually go to Martin County and, um, and find horses that run wild in, in Martin County um, in the hills. And you can grab one of them horses if you're man enough and, and bring one home with you. Tell them I told you you was allowed to do that, all right? <laughs> they ain't but one deputy in all Martin County. He ain't going to bother you anyway, so just don't worry about it. Um, but you bring that, that horse home and you can break that horse. I, don't, I can't do it, and you probably can't do it, but I bet Martin Hay could do it. You know what I'm saying? There's somebody out there that could do it. Um, and what happens, that, that, that horse that has all the power and all the strength in the world, when he's wild, he's dangerous. But after he's broken, he's not dangerous anymore. Did he lose his power? Did he lose his, his strength? No. But now he's controlling that power. And he's controlling that strength. That's meekness. You know what happens when you're wise? You become meek. You don't become weak. But your power that you have is now under the control of the Holy Spirit. And when someone aggravates you, instead of lashing out out of control, that control is now under control. And you don't get mad and start slapping somebody. That's not weakness. When you are rude to a man in cussing and he don't beat you back, you need to understand you're witnessing meekness, power under control. A lot of people say, oh, he's weak. No, he's under the control of the Holy Spirit and he's holding back because that anger is being controlled by Jesus Christ. Husbands, if you, if you struggle 
with anger issues. You need to pray for that wisdom that comes in meek, a form of meekness and that gives that power to be under control. But not only that, but it looks like purity. And I know you don't know what the word purity means, but we used to use it back in the 50s. But it actually means free from defilement, undefiled, unsoiled, not destroyed. What we need to understand is wisdom is pure. God is holy. And not only is God holy, he has called me and you as his children, as his followers, to be holy as well. We need to have purity. Wisdom brings us to a place understanding what it means to be clean, to be pure in the eyes of God. Then he says peace. Peace in verse 17. God's wisdom leads to peace. This peace does not come by compromise, but this peace comes by being holy, being able to understand God and what he has said. Um, I was supposed to, at the end of the search service, I was supposed to get in the car and drive to New Orleans um, this afternoon, and we got a Southern Baptist Convention that starts tomorrow afternoon. But because of my back, I'm not going to go. Um, the Lord didn't want me to go, and there's, I probably shouldn't take muscle relaxers and drive down the road, you know what I'm saying? So I, I said, you know, I'm, I'll stay home. I really wanted to be a part of that. Because after so many years, every year, there's a worldly influence that comes upon our convention, wanting us to go away from God's holy word and wanting us to depend upon worldly wisdom instead of godly wisdom. But you pray for the Southern Baptist Convention that when we meet today, this week, that they stand upon the authority of God's holy word. We're going to do thus, saith the Lord. And you say, well, what happens if we don't? Well, that's their business because we ain't changing. And um, that's the most important part to understand. But we don't want to compromise to bring peace, but we want to be pure to bring peace. And we want to understand that we're standing on God's holy word. Worldly wisdom covers up sin. Godly wisdom tells you to confess that sin instead of covering it up. And then the next one, he brings up gentleness. One of my favorite ones to read about is Abraham Lincoln and the way that Abraham Lincoln was described in a book a while back that I read was pretty amazing they called him velvet steel and when I read that velvet steel I thought it was like a, a romantic novel you know what I'm saying but when I got into it why they called him velvet steel was this because he was hard as steel tough but he was covered in velvet he was gentle. You know what? That's kind of that's what worldly wisdom is. And we need to be gentle. But not only is it gentle, but it is willing to yield. Normally, this time of year, we're on a mission trip on the other side of the world in the 1st of June, and we didn't go this, this year. But my, my first time, we have a young lady that, that was at church this morning. She, Carrie Joe, been spending on the summer in um, Spain. Uh, she got off the airplane as a, just a young girl by herself um, in Madrid a couple of months ago. No one picked her up. No one was waiting for her. She got her luggage. She called a taxi, and she had an address where she was going to stay, and she went and did it all by herself. Man, I was so proud of her. That was big girl stuff right there. I did that when I was 20 years old. 
um, didn't work out as nice as her. She's, I was more of a medium-sized boy at the time, I guess. But I remember my first time I got in a car in Europe. And I was driving down the road. And I come up to this circle in the middle of the road. And there was cars going everywhere, coming out of everywhere. And I was thinking to myself, Lord Jesus, what are we supposed to do here? I mean, I've been living in Jacksonville, which is a huge city, but I ain't never come up against a circle like this before. And I didn't know what to do. And there was a sign. It was a triangle sign. And in the middle of that sign was a yellow diamond. So I figured, you know, yield sign is, is that way. I mean, this is a diamond, but it's halfway. So I went ahead and said, you know what, I'm going to yield and let someone else go. But the guy behind me was not on board. He was right, right, and he was probably saying something about somebody's mom, but hopefully not mine, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and he was screaming his head off, and so I finally went, and I, and I learned later on um, that, like six years later, no, it wasn't six years later, but that yellow triangle means priority. And when you go into the circle, when you have that yellow triangle, you don't have to yield to anybody, you just, you're into the circle. You get to go flying in there just as hard as you go. But you don't get to carry that yellow triangle with you all the way. When you're in the circle, you now have become a yielder. And you have to yield to the people that are coming into the circle, which I think is unfair. <laughs> right? But that's not my business. I'm not European. And I didn't get to ch no one asked me. You know what I'm saying? But it took me forever to figure that out. And you know why they do that? is because they don't understand four-way stops. So they did all of that because they couldn't be kind enough to figure out who came first. So they made these circles. And, you know, we've done that. You come up to a four-way stop, and you tied. And you're like, I know the person on the right is supposed to go, but ain't everybody on the right after a while? You know what I'm saying? And I'm in a hurry, and I'm more important than this person right here, so I'm going to go first. You know what? Godly wisdom teaches us to be willing to yield. There's a lot of people who know they're supposed to yield, but the majority of us don't want to yield. We don't want to give someone priority in our life and go before us. We want to go ahead and go before and let them come after. But godly wisdom teaches us to be willing to to yield, willing to let someone go first and us wait for them to go after. You know what that is? That's godly wisdom. Considering someone else and their needs before your own needs. Worldly wisdom says, nope, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Let them figure out when they get a chance. Godly wisdom says, go ahead, and go, go ahead before me. After willing to yield, we see full of mercy. What does it mean, full of? Anything you put on the end of it, it means controlled by. Full of mercy means that you are controlled by mercy. And today, me and you would not be here if it was not a God that was full of mercy. But because he was full of mercy, he has forgiven you of your sins and saved you for eternity. You know what? We today understand that godly wisdom comes in our life and fills us full of mercy. 
And instead of worrying about if someone is right or someone is wrong, instead of who deserves this and who deserves that, we are full of mercy and able to allow that to come out just like God has with us. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of Christ, Christ died for us. He was full of mercy. Godly wisdom causes me and you to be full of mercy. You can see that. You can see the difference between someone who is full of mercy and someone who's full of hate. You can see someone difference between someone who's full of love and someone who's full of themselves. You can see the difference. It's easy. Godly wisdom don't even look alike. But then after he tells us that it's full of mercy, he says good fruits, full of good fruits. What they do is this. We don't want you to be a fruit, a tree that bears fruit just so that you could be pretty. We want you to be a fruit, a tree that bears fruit so that you can be able to provide fruit for this world. But not only that, but that fruit when you open it up is filled with seeds. And that seeds will be planted for the glory of God so that they can come and we grown up. We need to understand that wisdom comes in our life and it produces good fruits. It produces faithfulness. And that's what happens in my life and your life. People who are faithful to God are fruitful. And then the last two, he says this, withouts. First, he says, without partiality. You know what? Godly wisdom, in his wisdom, he showed no favoritism when he chose me and you. And godly wisdom comes in our life, you can tell it because it does not show favoritism. The ground at the, at the foot of the cross is level. Every single one of us um, had the same possibility, the same opportunity to believe upon Jesus Christ as our personal Savior today. There's no one who has a higher advantage. There's no one who is closer. Every single person must repent of their sins and believe in Jesus Christ today. There's no favoritisms. God's not going to show those favorites. And not only that, there's no without hypocrisy. And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but the church is known to be filled with hypocrites. And everybody around the world says, you know what, I don't go to church because there's so many hypocrites. Do you know why the reputation of the church is that we are filled with hypocrites? It's because that we're filled with hypocrites. Why, you're saying, oh no, you're saying all the hypocrites are in church? Did I say that? The gym that I go to, you know what, they're filled with a bunch of hypocrites. You know, everywhere I go, the Walmart that I go to, you know what, it's filled with a bunch of hypocrites. There's hypocrites where? Everywhere. It's not just church. Say everywhere you go, it's hypocrites. It's where you work. It's where you go to school. It's people trying to be somebody that they're not. What we need today in the church is some sincere people that say, you know what? I'm a sinner saved by grace. I struggle. I'm on the struggle bus, but I know that Jesus is here with me. I'm not doing great right now, but I know the one who saved me from my sins. We need to be sincere people and allow the people to see us as we truly are, struggling people who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But not only do they totally look different, don't look, come from different places, but listen, I'll close with this, even though it's raining. They have totally different results. The end of worldly wisdom is death. And the end of godly wisdom is life. In verse 17, it says, in verse 16, it says this, 
For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Worldly wisdom produces confusion. Worldly wisdom produces trouble. What is confusion that we're living in in this world today? The definition is this. Disorder that comes from instability. Why, were e why are we in the mess today where boys don't know if they're boys or girls don't know if they're girls? Because of simply of this. Disorder, listen, disorder comes from instability. When you're not stable in your faith, when you're not stable in your home, when you're not stable upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you're instable. And when you are instable, you cannot stand up straight and you become confused and disorder happens in your life. I am so thankful that what God can do in my life, that God can do in your life, that he reached down to me many years ago when I was in that miry pit sinking deep in sin. He reached down and grabbed me and pulled me up out of that pit and he established my steps upon the rock. And that rock is Jesus Christ. It was not nothing of myself that was done, but it was all by the grace of God that he puts me on stable ground today. I'm not in sinking sand. I'm not in a miry pit. I am standing up on the rock, and that, name is, that rock's name is Jesus Christ. And we have that ability today, not because we're better than anybody else, not because we're smarter than anybody else. It was because of the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We today understand that confusion brings about evil things. It's what the Bible says. But not godly wisdom. Godly wisdom produces blessings. We sow. S-O-W. Not S-E-W. You would think less of me if I S-E-W'd. Sowed. I couldn't sow if I had to. And I'm glad some people do. My wife does. Everybody S-O-W's. Sows. And you say, you know what? Not me. I mean, there's some of you all day, you all planted something this summer, this spring already, and you're excited. Some of you planted some fruits and vegetables. Some of you planted some flowers. Some of you watched TV. <laughs> you didn't plant anything, you know what I'm saying? But that's okay, right? But we also, what do you mean by that? We're influencing somebody about something all the time. You're spreading something all the time. If it be good news, bad news, whatever news it means, you're, you're, you're spreading something all the time. Everybody is. Everybody's influencing someone in some different direction all the time. Some of you all are influencing a great number of people. Some of you all are even a small number, but we're all influencing some people. And today you have different ways that you could sow. You can sow wild oats. Remember that? Sowing your wild oats, you spread all the sinfulness that you could spread. You're sowing those wild oats. But listen, when you sow um, sin, you know what you're going to reap? You're going to reap confusion and every evil thing. But then also you have the opportunity today to sow righteousness. To sow righteousness in peace. And when you sow righteousness in peace, what are you going to reap? You're going to reap God's blessings. So it's not the question if you're sowing, it's what you're sowing. If you sow sin, that's what you're going to reap. If you sow blessing, um, righteousness, that's what you're going to reap. No farmer has gone out there in his expensive combine and worked and planted those seeds of corn and then walked out and was surprised that corn grew. 
He knew corn was going to grow because that's what he planted. That's the seed that he planted. So it did not come surprising to him when corn started growing. And when harvest time, he was harvesting corn, it was not a surprise because that's what he planted. Let me share this with you, church. If you plant sin, you're going to reap corruption. You're going to reap confusion. You're going to reap destruction. And don't be surprised because that's what you planted. But if you plant righteousness, you'll reap God's blessings. And that's a promise that comes from the Lord. We need that wisdom to know that. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 13 says this, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. We all know some people that are very wise but don't know God. Some of the most sweetest men that I know in Louisa, Kentucky, older gentlemen, they would do anything for you. I have some guys that I've eaten breakfast with in different places. It's great to talk to and enjoyable to talk to. And they, they can tell you some great experiences they've had and, they, and seem to be as wise as they possibly can be. But they don't know God. True godly wisdom allows us to know that there is a God and that we are held accountable to him. Romans chapter 14 in verse 12 tells us, so then each of us, listen to us, so then each of us will be held accountable of himself to God. Wisdom allows me and you to understand that one day we're going to be held accountable for our actions in front of God. He created us for a purpose. Godly wisdom allows us to know that we are created not out of no reason, but for a reason. And that purpose is to glorify God in all that we do. And when I see these godly, these men that are wise looking and acting and even behaving, but yet do not know God or know that they're accountable to God, it breaks my heart for them. And I want to share even more with them the importance of the gospel of Jesus Christ and their purpose that they were created. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If you're saying, well, where do I start? The first place you start is understanding how great, how mighty is our Lord. And that you're held accountable to that mighty God. And the only chance that you have of ever entering heaven is by the way, the truth, and the life. And that's Jesus Christ. I, I asked this week, preparing for this sermon, uh, a few people, what, wise people that I know, what's the best decision you've ever made in your life? There's a couple of you who are here this morning, and I asked you that question. What's the best decision you've ever made in your life? You know, one of them, which I just had a, a wedding this week, one said, you know what, best decision I ever made was marrying my wife. I, can, I love that, and I understand that. I had one other guy say, um, best decision he ever made was divorcing his wife. 
I had other people say, well, the best decision I ever made was, was uh, selling the stocks in 2008 right on time, right before it all fell through. And I felt like saying, you probably ought to keep that to yourself. So other people have all these decisions, oh, the job that I decided on, all these things I decided on, a few people told me all those things. But listen, church, the majority of people told me exactly what I wanted to hear. The best decision I ever made, the most wise decision I've ever made was I, when I decided to follow Jesus Christ. There will never be a better decision than that. There'll never be a better time than today. Stop unbelieving and start believing in Jesus. Lord God, 